28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, 12 seconds. That is when the world will end. Hey, gays and ghouls, I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about growing up, mental health, and stupid bunny suits. That it is. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. Oh, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is very excited. I'm very excited. Because we are doing my favorite movie, Donnie Darko. The 2001 Richard Kelly classic, if I just got Yeah, Donnie Darko, which, like, <laughs> just... What'd you say? I, I'm like, if I got his name right, I'm like, I just second-guessed on uh, who the director Richard was. Richard Kelly? So, yeah, I'm like, it's Richard Kelly. Sean, it's, it's Richard, Richard Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Written and directed by... Yes. Donnie Darko just just celebrated its uh, 20th anniversary, like, three days ago. Sure did. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Of, its, of its, you know, wide theatrical release. It, it premiered at Sundance. Yes. Yes, so. Right. Um, yeah, it premiered at Sundance in, I believe, like, January or February. But it's, yeah, its wide release was just celebrated. Mm-hmm. October 26, 2001. Um, <laughs> what I did not know is that, like, because of the timing, obviously that was, like, 9-11 happened a month before Donnie Darko released, that mm-hmm. they didn't really advertise it because of the jet engine. Like because of the plane, yeah. the plane crash element to it, um, they like just basically let it just quietly open, and that's why it you know did so poorly at the box office at first. Mm-hmm. I was in high school when Donnie Darko came out, and the teenagers were talking about it nonstop. So like the idea that it didn't do well and that it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like not that it wasn't well, well received because mm-hmm. it, you know, it got a lot of critical acclaim and it's, it still does and it's well-deserved, but just that like the idea that it wasn't a very popular movie when it came out, given like how much my friends talked about it <laughs> right. when I was in high no, school, absolutely. like it seemed like everyone knew what Donnie Darko was and everyone had seen Donnie Darko. Yeah. I mean, like, even though it, it didn't do very well initially in the box offices, like, um, it's listed as number two in Empire's 50 Greatest Independent Films of All Time. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's a true, like, I guess we're kind of continuing this, like, because we just did Rocky Horror Picture Show, which also didn't and do Evil very Dead. well in theaters, but it is an ultimate, and Evil Dead, cult classics, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm, yep. Like, absolute cult classics. Like, they and are still 
are still watched to this day and are still celebrated to this day. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, I know I'm a bit of a, of a, I don't want to say insane Donnie Darko fan. I mean, I did get the, <laughs> I did get the numbers tattooed onto my arm. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah. So the, I only own the... three copies of Donnie Darko. <laughs> I only own three copies. I didn't get a chance to watch the director's cut though so i still need to see the director's cut because i'm not sure i've ever seen the director's cut there's that's okay um Mm -hmm. so the i mean the main differences there's two main differences between the director's cut like if i was going broad like so there is a couple of things that were added into the movie and it was mostly like the um the bridge scenes not bridge scenes but like the the transition scenes in between mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. they they added a few things that like was literally direct quotes from roberta sparrow's book oh i see mm-hmm. explaining the movie <laughs> right um and then the soundtrack was a bit different he did change really? a few of the songs that were in the in the movie yeah that's interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like it's not got all of it, soundtrack. but a few songs yeah. were changed. I know yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack's so good, and both yeah. movies, like both movie soundtracks, are iconic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, um, it's there's differences, but they're they're both good. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I mean the original is is obviously, you know, still. A great movie. I also didn't know that Drew Barrymore was the executive producer. Yeah. Yeah, she was... uh, They produced it. Like, this movie was made with her studio. Yeah, like... Or with her... She's the reason this movie got made. Yeah. Her production company. Yeah, like, her studio. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Productions. She was... Studio, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was basically the reason this movie got made. Like, no one else was greenlighting it. Mm-hmm. And then Drew Barrymore picked it up, so. <laughs> but she's like, but I want to be in it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, she's Drew Barrymore. Of course she wants to be in it. I mean, absolutely. And she did good. I love her you character. <laughs> I she do did. love her character. <laughs> like, just the... <laughs> I love her character, too. I. I know I'm not... I don't think that Drew Barrymore is, like, a stellar actress... And that may be, I think she's good, but, Mm -hmm. and I don't know. I just think she's, she's decent, but she's not incredible, but she did really well in this role. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, again, I was in high school when this movie came out. So like having had teachers in the relatively conservative school that I went to and like I had teachers who sort of made Mm -hmm. curriculum choices that the administration wasn't always happy with right especially Mm -hmm. English teachers like I had an English teacher who had us read things that like some people were not happy that we were reading in this like relatively it wasn't like a private school or anything like it is in the movie but but still it was just a a fairly conservative leading you know district and so like the fact that 
uh, he had this teacher that was having them read stuff that like was pissing off the administration, like resonated with me, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's funny. Cause like watching it, I'm like, I mean like, yeah, those are like semi-violent books, but like, aren't these seniors? Like, aren't these, weren't they, weren't they like yeah, juniors I mean, or seniors? I think he's a, yeah. I mean, they're definitely upperclassmen because Yeah, he's either a junior or a senior. Because his sister's already graduated, Oh, you know right? what? Maybe he's like a... She... Well, she's graduating and is... And just... And she gets into Harvard. She gets into Harvard. Okay, that's right. So she's graduating. Mm-hmm. She gets into Harvard. Because that's why they so end up maybe having like a the Halloween party at their house. Right. Yeah. Made a star of Jake Gyllenhaal this film for uh, sure yes mm-hmm. and maggie uh, gyllenhaal and maggie gyllenhaal yeah maggie sort of stayed in the well i mean i guess i shouldn't say that for a while maggie gyllenhaal stayed in the sort of like small film uh yeah. realm until she was in the nolan batman movie which one was she in mm-hmm. dark knight she was in dark knight yeah, so until then. Like, I, I don't remember which one it is that she's in. Strip. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's Dark Knight because I think in Batman Begins, it's Katie Holmes. And then Maggie Gyllenhaal took over the role for Dark Knight and then she dies. So neither of them are in Dark Knight Rises. That's the sort of love interest is um, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman in the third one. Right. Pretty sure it's Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. No, you are right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I also love the idea that the entirety of this film, like Richard Kelly came up with this concept from the kernel of a jet engine falling and no one being able to figure out where it came from. Like, of a jet falling into a house. Right. And then no one being able to find the plane. Like, he built this entire sort of, like, mind-bending mm-hmm. story around this, like, part of the movie that's almost an afterthought, right? Like, <laughs> you kind of, like, right. forget about it in parts of the movie until the end when you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oops. Yeah, jet um, engine. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Fell into his room. <laughs> the jet engine. This was like a, this was a big deal. This was a big thing. Um, but yeah. Well, and he, he came up with the concept because of basically the same thing happening, but it was a chunk of ice that fall from the sky that they didn't know where it came from. Yes. Right. Um, which I think they said was possibly an urban legend, but. I mean, it might be. So, like you mentioned, like, this movie didn't do so great in theaters, right? But, and, mm-hmm. and we, like, discussed it, and it became a cult classic. Like, not only did it become a cult classic, but Richard Kelly released a book that mm-hmm. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal wrote the foreword on. Mm-hmm. 
the book that Roberta, essentially the book that Roberta Sparrow wrote. Um, mm-hmm. Also, there was there's a fan club, a fan club of Donnie Darko mm-hmm. that's so big mm-hmm. that they made a sequel themselves. <laughs> Right, yeah, and that, like, I didn't even know that sequel existed. Yeah, it, so I was super excited when I found out that they're coming out with a sequel. Um, it's called S. Darko, um, and it's about mm-hmm. his younger sister, Samantha. Right. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. I'm sorry, everyone that made it, and I know that it was a passion project, but the plot made way less sense than Donnie Darko did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> I'm like, now Frank is Frank is kind of like talking to Samantha now, but like Samantha is now Frank for other people, but she's still alive, and it doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, I mean, really, if 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 you're maintaining the sort of continuity of the first movie, Frank shouldn't exist. Well, you know what? As I said it, I was kind of thinking about it. So technically, and I don't remember them really ever discussing this, but Frank is apparently his sister's boyfriend. Oh. Maggie Gyllenhaal's boyfriend? Yes. I guess that makes sense, because she's the one that's asking about him at the party. Right. She's like, where the hell did Frank go? Mm-hmm. And so, it's like, it's it's not, it's not really, it's so indirect, like, that you can miss it. I mm-hmm. missed it for forever. I completely forgot about it, to be quite honest. But, mm-hmm. like, it kind of makes it make sense, but, like, not really. Well, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I suppose it opens up an entire can of worms because he was also like, he also heard Frank's voice before the jet engine fell. Yes. Mm -hmm. He was already hearing Frank before the jet engine fell. Which is true. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose that you could... I mean, you could also argue, I suppose, that Frank only took the... That Frank wasn't really Frank, right? Like, Frank wasn't the kid that he knew named Frank. That Frank wasn't a ghost. That Frank was, like, some part of his mind or some other kind of spirit that was communicating with him that was simply taking the form of this boy that he knew. Exactly. But, you know, because does he see him before the jet engine falls? Does does Frank does see Donnie see Donnie Frank? Or, um like actual real life Frank or bunny costume Frank? Bunny costume Frank. Like, does he, does he, 
Do we, the audience, see Frank before the jet engine falls? I mean, technically, the only time you do is right before it does. Like, when Donnie's out of right the room the night does. that it's happening. Right. Yeah, when, okay. they're, when they're out on the, um, the golf course. But otherwise, right. no. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the first evening that he actually talks to Frank. That's the first that time is that the it fir- actually right. happens where he's they're talking. Right, yeah. That's the first time that he communicates back. He, like... The first time that you hear Frank talk is when he says, wake up, isn't it? Which is when he's leading him over to the golf course. Well, we're going to get into all that. Tonight's cocktail is called the Jet Engine. Uh, it's a play on a flying Iconic. Frenchman, if you know what that is. <laughs> what did you say? I said iconic. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> the jet engine. Um, it is a an ounce of Kahlua or some other mm-hmm. coffee liqueur. Um, a half an ounce of creme de cacao. A half an ounce of absinthe. And then you're going to top it off with Guinness. Like to however big you want the drink to be. It sounds delicious. I've I need to make it. I will be making it momentarily. Like as soon as as soon as we're done with this episode, it's it's happening. It's crapping. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very dark. <laughs> it's it's very it's dark, my like kind of in color. So I thought sure. it right. I thought it. I thought it was appropriate for this movie because this movie is very. The palette of this movie is very dark. It is. It is very dark. I mean, his name is Donnie Darko. Right. It's in the name. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's right there. Uh, so, Donnie Darko is about, funnily enough, a boy named Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in October of 1988. It begins specifically on October 2nd, 1988. Donnie is an affluent kid. Um, He and his sisters go to a private school. They live in a really nice house. Clearly their their parents are well-to-do. And they sort of live in... Well, they live in Virginia, right? Um, So it's pretty clear that his parents... I don't think they ever say it explicitly, but you you get the idea that his parents are involved in the political sphere somehow. Yeah, yeah. They don't say exactly what they do that I can think of, at least. Uh, but it does seem that they are somewhat political. The mom's involved in the PTA, Rose. Um, right, yeah. The, the mom is involved in the PTA, and the PTA is very, like, intense. <laughs> Um, and the dad, really all we know about him is that he's, uh, a Republican. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because he's not happy that his, his newly minted 18 year old daughter is going to vote for Dukakis instead of Bush. Yeah. It, it appears that both, both parents are Republican because the mom, uh, Rose also questions, like, you really right. think that Dukakis, yeah, that's Dukakis is going to be good for you? <laughs> yeah, like, it's going to, like, you know, sow the right seeds for your future or something. I forget exactly what the mother says, but, um... Right. 
so this is the type of this is the type of environment in which Donnie and his sisters are growing up. It's like it's affluent, it's conservative, it's politically connected. It's you know, they go to a private school, which I think I said. Mm-hmm. Um, and that private school is is pretty stuffy, right? It's like it's a pretty pretty conservative school as well. I mean, their gym yes. teacher is yeah. is like. A, a moral majority nut job. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is very, very much so into the be be the best person and 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 good and evil and very right. very religious. Love as and well. fear, like, like yeah, very and, very religious, but like in a very like she's very religious, but in a very specific way and. I think it. This is very specific yes. to like the late eighties. Um, of mm-hmm. like of evangelical religion, like of Egypt. Oh no, sorry. Of evangelical Christianity blending into like New Age bullshit, like. Yep. Like this is the beginning of the sort of, not the very beginning, but this is the era of the like mega church motivational speaker right which is who patrick Swayze's yes. character well and, is. and i think that's right uh but he's not even like he's a motivational speaker but he's not even religious but because he is be, simply because he's a motivational speaker she's like drawn into him she al- also is patrick swayze so he's beautiful so mm-hmm. she's clearly attracted to him as well right um, yeah I mean, yeah, she's, she acts like a, she acts like a groupie for like the Beatles whenever he's around, right? Like, she's just like, oh, yes. she's very enamored. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she's protective of him. Like, he is hers because she found him. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. She discovered him and brought him to the school. And, you know, when, when the cops do find what they find in his house, she is like, immediately they're saying that it's it's clearly a conspiracy and you know that's why that's why rose ends up going to the dance comp or goes ends up going to star search is because she has to go and like defend his honor in a court of law right which is a ridiculous thing for just a random woman to do like it's just a ridiculous thing for her to do right um especially like right i'm like ma'am it's a conspiracy that they found right I'm like, bam, they like, found a bunch important? of child porn in his basement. Right. Like, who do you think put it there? <laughs> but So Donnie is troubled and he's sort of been troubled all of his life, right? Like when he was uh, younger, he like, he burned down a house just because, like just to, just mm-hmm. to see it burn, essentially. Um, there was no one in it. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Yep. He just wanted to, you know, was, was looking for you know, the, the thrill. Um, and he's been medicated off and on. Sometimes he stops taking his meds, which is, you know, then leads him to have like some issues. He's, he's seeing a therapist who's like very, (laughs) who's a very like eighties therapist. It's hilarious. When she starts, when she pulls out the hypnosis, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Um, (laughs) right. um, But he's also, all right. Oh, no. (laughs) But he also has issues with sleep, 
with both insomnia and with sleepwalking. And Mm -hmm. so he's been sleepwalking lately. Like, as the movie starts, he's been sleepwalking lately. And he actually wakes up. The first scene you see is him waking up on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And then getting back on his bike and... And going home. So, like, he not only, like, slept walk, but he, like, slept biked <laughs> to wherever he was. Right. <laughs> right? Like, um, and I know this is a small sort thing, of... but, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. This is a small thing, but what? Um, it's a small thing, but I noticed in the very beginning, when he wakes up and he's standing up, that... He, like, turns around and grins. Like, he smiles like he's happy about wherever he's at. Yeah. And I'm like, why well, are you smiling, nice sir? It is. It right. is a beautiful I mean, it, view. It's a beautiful view. And, you know, I think that... Um, he He kind of likes being... He kind of likes the idea of being a little fucked up. Oh, yes. Like, he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want his parents' definition of cured. Right. Right. Um, so, you know. But, uh, so he goes home and we meet, you know, his parents and we meet his two sisters um does anything happen between that and the jet engine he doesn't go to school until after the jet engine right um yeah i mean uh nothing significant happens i mean you know the the next thing you see basically is them sitting at dinner um So, right. That scene just sort of like, it just sort of establishes those characters of his family and like their interactions with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you like, like, you get to see their, like just their family interact at the dinner table and see the regular sibling kind of rivalry that's going on, especially between right. Donnie and Elizabeth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the, I mean, I think that's. Among among the best, this scene is iconic. <laughs> among the best <laughs> scenes in the movie, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I love how the he, dad he, doesn't he... yell at them to stop. He just tells Samantha to cover her ears. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know it's just gonna happen, and me yelling isn't gonna right, do anything. Yeah. So let me just try to. Protect the the somewhat innocence of the protect the innocence. Right, of the he's of like it's like he's written those two off already, and he's just gonna focus on this little yes. one. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, because Elizabeth is, is about to go to off to college, and Donnie already has his problems, and they're 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 unable to fix them currently. So, like, why right? Why try to make an, it make more of an issue? Right. Yeah, and he's 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 clearly a kind of well. I'm actually not gonna say that because he's not not later on. In that initial scene, it makes it seem like he's a very sort of, like, aloof, hands-off father. But then, like, later on, not so much. He seems more involved mm-hmm. later. Um, but, yeah, so you see that you see that family interaction, and it's hilarious. Uh, and then everybody goes to bed. 
<laughs> and Donnie starts sleepwalking mm-hmm. again. This time he's yes. he's hearing a voice uh, that tells him that it, he says, you know, Donnie, wake up. I've been watching you. And he sleeps, he sleepwalks all the way to the golf course. Mm-hmm. And so he's at the golf course and his father couldn't sleep. So he goes uh, down to the den to and falls asleep in front of the TV, mm-hmm. which like, I don't know if this is a direct reference or if it's just like something that, you know, he just would have thought to get put in. But the dad asleep in the recliner with the staticky TV, like right before the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Feels almost identical to Poltergeist to me. Yes. And I would not be surprised, especially considering when Poltergeist was made, that this is a, a very direct reference to it. Right? Like that sort of like, specifically him asleep by himself in an almost identical recliner with like the, and the television has gone off for the night, right? And so it's just the static. Mm-hmm. Um. Feels so much like Poltergeist. Like, that's that's the scene where well, Carol Ann starts talking to the television for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was a big thing in the 80s. Like, that was before TV, like, had, like, that channels were playing things 24-7. Like, right, yeah, TV no, goes I, off I mean, yeah, if you're... 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, whatever time. <laughs> yeah, I think it... Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it was usually, like, a. it was after the... Well, I think there was always, like, an 11 o'clock news. So maybe, like, 11.30 or midnight. But, yeah, TV used to just stop. (laughs) Like, (laughs) TV used to just stop. Like, they would play the national anthem, and then the whole thing would just go staticky until the next morning. Like, there did not used to be 24-hour TV. Um, Elizabeth was out, you know, with friends, or maybe with Frank, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. she comes home. And I do love the way this is shot. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so, <laughs> it's so gorgeous. And you have no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see it hit. You just, you just see that. Like, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, is their house exploding? Like, is it an earthquake? What's happening right now? Like, right. <laughs> you have no, and then. You don't know anything until Donnie gets home the next morning. Mm-hmm. Like, so the house shakes and like, it's clear that something catastrophic is happening. You see the dad get up and run, you know, up the stairs. You see like Elizabeth sort of like cower and start crying because she's just mm-hmm. walked in the door and, you know, the first time it happens, the original time that the jet engine falls through the house, they didn't know that Donnie wasn't in there. Right. Until no, he shows not. up the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so Donnie wakes up on the golf course. Oh, no. So while, while this is happening at home, Donnie sees Frank for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a guy in this absolutely ludicrous rabbit suit. Mm -hmm. Like, demon rabbit. It's like, it was like the... The, like, uh, you know, package at Spirit Halloween would probably say, like, Demon Rabbit. Like, because it's not just a normal rabbit suit. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> rabbits don't look like that. No. It's not a cute bunny suit. Um, but it's also clearly, clearly uh, a reference to Harvey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starring James Stewart. And also a little bit of, like, a, an inverse of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, like, he he realizes by the end that, like, the fact that he didn't die in the original accident made all of this other stuff happen. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a bootstrap paradox, too. Mm-hmm. Because since his mother and his sister are on the plane, supposedly, that the jet engine falls off of, that it then travels through time. It's like, this is just going to loop over and over again. And like, sometimes Donnie's going to be in the bed and sometimes he's not. And then like the whole scenario, you know, we've got a little bit of a time as a flat circle right. situation going on. Here. <laughs> um, but he sees Frank, who is this ridiculous bunny man. Mm-hmm. And Frank tells him that in... 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. The world is going to end. Mm -hmm. Donnie wakes up with a marker in his hand and that written on his arm. 28, 6, 42, 12. Mm -hmm. Sean also has that written on his arm. (laughs) I do. Permanently. In the same spot. (laughs) Permanently. That is his tattoo. Or one Mm -hmm. of his tattoos. Yeah. Um, he goes home and that is when we learn that it is in fact a jet engine that landed directly onto Donnie's bed. Right. Yep. Crashed through the fucking ceiling. And the FAA is there. (laughs) Right. Just crashed through the ceiling. And (laughs) the dad is like, oh my God, there's your brother. (laughs) I'm like, sir. (laughs) And, and then, like, you know, I think the, does the mom run up and hug him? Uh, I think Elizabeth, or, um, yeah, I think Elizabeth does. I think Elizabeth runs up and hugs him, actually. Yeah. Because I know. One or the other of them does. Yeah, because the dad's holding Samantha. The dad is holding Samantha, and Samantha says, it landed in your room. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, you don't even see that. You don't see it still in the house. You see it on a crane as they're taking it away. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the FAA shows up, of course, and they are stumped because they cannot find a plane that's missing an engine. Right. And generally, generally the FAA knows where every single plane is and whether or not they have both of their engines at all times. (laughs) I mean, I feel like you would know these things. You would know. It would be pretty, it would be pretty easy to find because like it would have fallen somewhere else. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I guess, I guess the only, but like there weren't even, there weren't even planes that like didn't make it to the destination. Like they were, they were looking for everything Mm -hmm. because like, obviously if a plane makes an emergency landing and shows up without one of its engines, like you're going to know which plane the engine came from. Right. 
I suppose that given that it's in Virginia, it's possible that a plane could maybe lose an engine over Virginia and then like stay in the air long enough to make it to the ocean and then crash into the ocean and then it would be hard to find. That's true. But if you think about it, like if they lose an engine, they're probably going to try to land before they get to the ocean. Immediately. (laughs) Right. And you know, and if they lose before they get to the ocean. Yes. And like if, you lose one over, honestly, I, I feel like that would be one of the best possible places to have some sort of aviation emergency because there's like airports everywhere. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there are military bases. There's like six or seven major airports in like a, you know, 50 mile radius of, right. that place, of like Virginia, <laughs> Maryland, Washington, D.C. Like how many airports are there? Like you would be able to find the plane, but they can't find the plane. They don't know where this engine came from. Um, but obviously like the family spends the night in a hotel and then I think for the rest of the movie, they're still living in the house, but Donnie's just like sleeping on the couch because his room is completely destroyed. Yeah. They, they end up, they, they do end up moving back into the house. Um, after I think it is like a day. I think they only spend like a day in the hotel. Yeah. I think just the one night. Yeah. Um, just while they like clear away the debris and like check to make sure the house is structurally sound otherwise and that the whole thing's not going to fall down. Mm -hmm. Um, Donnie goes to school the next day and he's like a rock star. Well, yeah, he had a fucking jet engine in his fucking room. Like, right. Like everyone's (laughs) talking about this crazy, crazy coincidence, this crazy accident, this absolutely out there coincidence that he just happened to be sleepwalking and not in his room. Right. When he absolutely should have been asleep in his bed mm-hmm. and he should be dead, but now he's not. Um. Oh, there is a scene that I wanted to mention that happens right before this. And I don't remember if it sure. was in the original movie or not. So let me know. Okay. Um, there is a scene, um, or at least I don't know if the whole conversation is in the original movie, if anything. But there's a scene, and it's when they're in the hotel room. Um, mm-hmm. And the mom and dad are laying in bed talking. And the dad is reminiscing about this kid who... Oh, yeah. I Died I, on the way to prom. Died on the way to prom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that he's is like, And he's like, if Donnie wasn't sleepwalking... Like, this would have been the same story. Right. That This would have been Donnie. This would have been the... People would be saying the same thing about my son. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, it hits them just how close they came to losing their son. Like, right. it really is just, you know, that if he was where he was supposed to be, he would be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, he goes to school. He's a rock star. We're introduced to... Uh, Mrs. Farmer, the gym teacher, mm-hmm. and introduced to um, Jim Cunningham, is his name, right? Yeah, Jim Cunningham. Introduced to the, at least the idea of Jim Cunningham yes. and how, like, obsessed she is with him because she's carrying his book around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're introduced to a couple of other teachers, played by Drew Barrymore and Noah from ER. <laughs> what is his name? Uh, Kenneth Matinoff. Professor Kenneth Montanoff. Right. Yeah. And and Drew Barrymore's character, Karen Pomeroy. Karen Pomeroy, that's right. Mm-hmm. 
so we're we're kind of introduced to like the the two ends of the extremes of mm-hmm. teachers there, right? You have the gym teacher who's like very conservative and like this sort of moral majority um, type who's like into this like very into this motivational speaker, and then you have the you know the English teacher Miss Pomeroy who's played by Drew Barrymore, who's sort of trying to you know, push the limits of the curriculum a little bit. Um, and then you have, you know, Professor Mattenhoff is is just trying to teach physics. Right. <laughs> He's just trying to teach physics. <laughs> and Donnie keeps like... Um, Donnie also meets a girl. He does, yes. He does. Oh, Really quick, I just want to mention them because nope. they're not they're not super important, but they do have semi important conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also introduced to um, to Donnie's friends, um, Ronald and Sean. Oh yes, and then um, sm- again smaller part, but um, also Charita. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joni. Oh, yeah. Who is yeah, on I the mean, same dance team as Samantha. Right. And who is... No, Joni's not. Isn't she? Joni's not Farmer's daughter, though. She's a different girl. There's a third girl. Bethany is Farmer's daughter, right? Beth Farmer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Beth Farmer. Yeah, Beth. Yeah, okay. Um, we also are in this sort of general sequence i actually think that he goes to school for the day and he doesn't immediately meet the girl i think that because doesn't he go to therapy in between and he tells his therapist about frank uh no it ends up being the first day it's the first day oh it's the first day okay yeah um i guess okay so he he meets her and then he doesn't tell the therapist about her until he's they've already sort of started look yeah they've started like dating and flirting Mm -hmm. um so but he does tell his therapist that he made a friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) she immediately asks if he's real or imaginary yep (laughs) which feels very rude but you know clearly therapy in the 80s but anybody has the answer he's like she was right because he's imaginary right (laughs) um You know, and she sort of, she talks to, to him about how he feels about the, um, the whole jet engine situation and like, uh, then at some point, what is the girl's name? Gretchen. <laughs> Sorry. Gretchen. That's right. At some point he kind of saves Gretchen from being bullied and harassed by like the two, you know, obligatory school assholes. Right. Iconically Seth Rogen being one of them. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and one of them is definitely a baby Seth Rogen, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. Like I remember I got a, I finally got a good look at him and I was like, wait, what? There are I didn't remember him being in this <laughs> There are a few Everybody. Like there are some random like uh Ashley Tisdale is in it. Yeah. Baby Ashley Tisdale. Baby baby. She's like one of the she's one of the like little friends of the little sister, right? Um no, I don't even think that they're friends. She's the she's one of the girls that when, um, 
why am I suddenly forgetting his name again? Jim Cunningham is doing his speech at the school and he asks students to come up. She's the girl that comes up. Oh, right. And then also Jerry Trainer, who is not Mm -hmm. as big, but Mm -hmm. um, is from like, he was like on iCarly and Drake and Josh. Um, Yeah. But he is also one of the students that walks up to talk to Jim Cunningham. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, sir, (laughs) what are you doing here? (laughs) What's happening? That's funny. So, uh, he does end up asking Gretchen out and she says that she'll, that she'll go out with him, Mm -hmm. which he's very happy about. And you keep seeing the, the gym teacher just, you know, making them watch these videos that this guy, like, she's not even teaching them gym (laughs) or health or anything. She's like, just her entire curriculum has been taken over by this motivational speaker. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I am all about the Jim Cunningham situation at hand. Let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. Love and fear. At one point, <laughs> yeah, love love or fear. Yeah. Can't no, have both. Can't have both. They're two opposite ends of the spectrum, apparently. Right. Um, the, um, <laughs> at one point, the therapist tries to hypnotize Donnie. Yep. To try to, like, get deeper, which was very big in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Like, hypnosis as... And it caused some really, really big problems. Mm -hmm. Like, really big, like, satanic panic. um, Crazy, like, look it up. Like, this whole repressed memory bullshit in the 80s was absolutely hog wild it was insane Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was it all started it was like it came from like and and not that hypnosis can't be like a legitimate tool for psycho for like psychoanalysis and for like therapy right like Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that right but the way it was used in the 80s was not no (laughs) (laughs) like not and she learned her lesson very quickly (laughs) she did because like she tapped into like the you know the subconscious of a teenage boy and so he immediately unzips his pants and tries to start masturbating and she's like stop stop okay Wake up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he's, uh, he's driving home from therapy with his dad. Mm-hmm. And they almost hit an old woman who lives in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, who he and all of his friends simply call Grandma Death. Mm-hmm. But her name is Roberta Sparrow. Yeah, and Roberta Sparrow... And sh- Oh. <laughs> Sorry, no, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Um, and, well, and Roberta Sparrow is this... She's an old woman. She's she's clearly, like, in her 90s. Like, very old woman. Um, and all that she does all day is walk back and forth from the middle of the road to her mailbox, opens it, closes it, because nothing's in there, and then repeats. Right. So everyone thinks that she's... The crazy lady of the town. Right. Yes. Um, and she does say something to Donnie. Mm-hmm. And what she says is, every living creature dies alone. Mm-hmm. Which she also brings up in therapy. Yep. 
And he admits that he doesn't want to die alone. He doesn't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. Donnie is having these conversations and he's trying to figure out like, I mean, you know, in, in many ways, you know, a lot, some of what is happening to him is sort of manifestations of mental illness Mm -hmm. or the fact that he's stuck in a time loop, like, right. Like you could interpret it either way. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of it is just being a, being a teenager, right? Like some of it is just questioning authority and questioning what you've been taught your entire life and Mm -hmm. trying to find your own beliefs and your own identity in this sort of relatively repressive environment. Yeah, he's essentially asking the why behind things. Like, why is this the way that it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, why is deeper. this the way that it is? Right, like, why, wh- what, how could it be different? Or, or like, how can you make a change? Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, this gets him into trouble because he's part of this somewhat repressive, very conservative, like, right. community. <laughs> Um, so he keeps getting in trouble at school. He, he like mouths off to, <laughs> he, he mouths off to, uh, the gym teacher, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He mouths off to Jim Cunningham during the assembly, mm-hmm. um, basically telling him that like, telling both of them that you cannot simply neatly categorize things, right? right. Because life is not that simple. Right, like that that life is nuanced and messy and that like there are certain situations that cannot fall into this dichotomy mm-hmm. which like they're using love and fear, right, mm-hmm. here, but it it could also be like the the sort of larger good and evil type of of conversation. Right. Exactly. Right? Which is like where where the redux of this motivational like um new age framework that like Jim Cunningham is espousing. And like, if you dig deeper into it, it's going back to evangelical Christianity, Mm. right? Like it's going back to like, there's good and there's evil and there's nothing in between and you're one or the other. And like, there's no, it's all very rigid, you Mm. know? Um, so he keeps getting in trouble. His parents, you know, keep sleepwalking, keeps hearing Frank, keeps seeing Frank. Frank tells him to flood his school. Mm-hmm. And he does, but he doesn't remember doing it. And the way that he does it is... It's crazy because it's... it's The way that he floods a school is not necessarily superhuman. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> what he does afterwards is. So he breaks the water yeah, main. Yeah, so... <laughs> right. So he has an axe and he breaks the water main with the axe, which, like, you know, is doable. But then he drives the axe into a solid bronze statue. Right. Which is not really doable. No. <laughs> like, as just a boy. Like, just a 16-year-old, let's say, boy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now, of course, there's an investigation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, about who did this to the school. Mm-hmm. And it's actually during the day off they get from school because the school is flooded that uh, Donnie has this conversation with Gretchen and asks her out. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, they're going together. That's what he calls it. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you want to go with me? And she's like, where? <laughs> <laughs> Their conversation is the cutest, most fucking awkward conversation. It's so funny. <laughs> it is. It's, so it, it rings very true. It rings very true as to like what 
<laughs> like when he's like, where are you going? And she's like, home. <laughs> right over there. Um, also during this time. He finds he's walking by this big fancy house and he finds Jim Cunningham's wallet outside Mm -hmm. and sees that, which is which is important because one of the exercises, the exercise he was arguing with the gym teacher about was where it fell on the spectrum from love to fear if you found a wallet and took all the cash out of it, but then returned the wallet to the person it belonged to. Right. And he's like, that's not how, what does that have to do with either love or fear? Like, this doesn't make any sense, right? right? So he finds Jim, and then of course he finds Jim Cunningham's wallet, right? right? They don't, they don't show it, but you can only assume that he, you know, took all the cash out of it before he returned it. I mean. <laughs> but now he knows where Jim Cunningham lives, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, what were you going to say? Well, do you, really quick with that, do you ever see him return the wallet? You actually don't. Um, you don't, you don't see him return the wallet either. So like, it's, it's possible he does neither, that he doesn't return the wallet or keep the cash or, you know, whatever, that it's not that same scenario, but it's, it's important because it lets him know that this big fancy house, because clearly this Jim Cunningham guy is making a killing with his bullshit. Mm -hmm. He knows where it is now. Right. And he even, when he finds that wallet, he hears Frank say, now you know where he lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think that he ever ends up returning the wallet, because if he did, that would automatically put a target on his back. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that he... Right, because it. he wasn't... Yeah, he wasn't, an, he wasn't a suspect. I mean, he was a suspect in the... Flooding of the school because Mm -hmm. he's a student there and he gets into trouble a lot and, you know, um, but the way that they, that they go about like having the kids, what, what they do to investigate, um, is because around the bull statue or not Mm -hmm. bull statue, the bulldog, bulldog statue. Yeah. He's, he's like a, yeah, he's like a mastiff or something right um around that is is spray painted onto the ground they made me do it yes so they end up having everyone in class go up to the to the chalkboard and write they made me do it on the chalkboard but yeah so he was a suspect of that Mm -hmm. um but they never really get to the resolution of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) investigation because what happens next causes things to escalate very quickly yep (laughs) Donnie takes Gretchen to see the Evil Dead, oh, of all things. Wait, wait, wait. Before that. Oh, the, I'm sorry. I, did I miss something? No, no, no. I, I I, never went back to the thing that I was going to go back on because I wanted to finish oh, the wall. Oh, yeah. But, sorry. Um, okay, go for it. So there's one specific thing that was important in conversation that Donnie and Gretchen had when they were walking home. And that right. is that Gretchen is not her real name. And that she and her mother yes. have gone into hiding and are essentially in... Um, like witness protection. Yes. 
because kind of. yeah because their stepdad her stepdad tried killing her mother and escaped right and they don't yeah, know where he, he is. stabbed her yeah he ended up stabbing right. her yeah yeah no that is important because mm-hmm. that's how she ends up at at the party right um Also during this time, he's been having these these conversations about creation and God and fate and time and space with this physics teacher. Mm-hmm. And he gives him a book. Yes. Called The Philosophy of Time Travel. By, of all people, Roberta Sparrow. Mm-hmm. So now Donnie knows that... This woman who appears to be completely senile is actually like at one point in her life was this this brilliant theoretical physicist and theologian. Right. Like he's right, like, wait, that, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he starts to, and he starts to really get sucked into this book mm-hmm. and the, the theories that Roberto Sparrow had. And he really wants to talk to Roberto Sparrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying that he thinks that he should talk to Roberto Sparrow and that he thinks that Frank is telling him to go talk to Roberto Sparrow. Mm-hmm. And so he writes her a note to put in her mailbox because he figures that she'll find it because mm-hmm. she goes to the mailbox all the time. Um, but yes. So after all of this, we're now only a few days before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Or a few days before. Actually, I suppose the, the countdown isn't going to Halloween. It's going to the day before Halloween. Yeah, it's going to the day before. It's going to the 30th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. He takes Gretchen to see the evil dead. Mm-hmm. And she immediately falls asleep, which is hilarious. And because so me. how do you sleep? <laughs> Listen, I do that all the time. Not in theaters, though, to be fair. I just feel... No, no, no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, like, the evil dead is, like, too exciting to sleep through. I'm saying it's so loud. I feel like in a theater, it would be so loud. So Gretchen immediately falls asleep. Mm-hmm. And then... Frank is sitting there right next to Gretchen. So, which I think is like, you know, such an iconic scene. I did not plan for us to do the Evil Dead and Donnie Darko in the same month. But here we are. But here we are. Like, I didn't, I I had forgotten that the movie they were watching is the Evil Dead. Right. (laughs) So you're like, (laughs) this connection between these two movies, I did not realize what happened, but like, it's kind of beautiful. Right. (laughs) Especially since like, when... When Frank tells Donnie to burn down Jim Cunningham's house, mm-hmm. it is during the scene that the evil first takes hold of um, Shelly. Yep. No, Cheryl. No, Cheryl, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cheryl. With the drawing. Yep. Right? With the hand and the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your iconic that. clock scene's here. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it's my yeah it's my favorite scene where like suddenly her hand is not her own 
is when Frank tells Donnie to go burn down the house. Mm -hmm. And this is... And he does so. He does. And this is also when Frank takes off his mask for the first time. Right, yeah. He asks Frank to take off his mask and he sees that he is in fact... And he does recognize him. Because mm-hmm. he just says, what happened to your eye? And I don't right? And like answer. he asks... <laughs> he doesn't. No, he doesn't tell him. No. And he asks him, like, I think you're right about him already knowing him. Because he asks him why he's wearing the bunny suit. Like, he knows that that's not what Frank looks like. Like, he knows it's a suit and not that he's not actually talking to a giant rabbit. Well, I think he knows that the, that whoever he's talking to is is human because it is clearly a mm-hmm. costume. Like his mouth's not moving or anything in the mask. It's clearly a mask. Right. But he doesn't right. know that it's that it's Frank. Mm-hmm. That it's that Frank until he takes off right. the mask. Right. And he sees that, you know, and he sees that he's his his eye has been like blown out and he's like right. what happens to your eye? And Frank does not tell him. No. <laughs> But he goes and he tells him, uh, but he like, he warps the screen to show Cunningham's house and he's like, go burn it down. Mm -hmm. The reason he's able to get away with this is because practically the entire town, at least the entire neighborhood, including his own parents, his sisters, all of his teachers, and Jim Cunningham Mm -hmm. are all at the talent show at the school Mm -hmm. in which his sister is performing with uh her dance troupe right and there's a judge from star search in the audience mm-hmm. i would like to mount announce so, by the way that it is sparkled ocean <laughs> it is yeah <laughs> Not mistaken. sparkle motion <laughs> i think on one episode once you said i I'm questioning your commitment to to sparkle your dedication to sparkle motion or something. Yes, yeah, it's uh, in the middle of a random episode. Yeah, I de- <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what 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 she says. I doubt your commitment to. I seriously doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. I'm so, fucking doubt iconic. Your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> I um, I will randomly quote that at no appropriate time. <laughs> I mean, it's just so great. <laughs> And the reason that Mrs. Farmer is is questioning Rose's commitment to Sparkle Motion mm-hmm. is because the girls, the dance troupe, the girls, Sparkle Motion, get selected to go to Star Search. Mm-hmm. When the f- fire department and the police are investigating the arson at Jim Cunningham's house they find a secret room full of kitty porn. Mm -hmm. So he is arrested. Mrs. Farmer, being insane, decides that she needs to go and defend him in court and, like, stand by him during his hearing. Mm -hmm. So she cannot take the dance troupe to Los Angeles to do Star Search. Mm -hmm. Rose doesn't want to because she doesn't want to leave Donnie alone. Mm Mm-hmm. And her husband's out of town on business and, you know, and Mrs. Farmer essentially guilts her into doing it. Well, and what's shitty too is that not only does she guilt her into doing it, but she's like, you were my last choice. 
She tells her that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she, like, she tells her that she's a shitty mother several times. Yeah. And, like, can you imagine growing up in that woman's house? I mean, like, oh she's, God. she's, she's bad shit. Yes. Right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, Mrs. Darko is not that bad. <laughs> no, I actually think she's a pretty good mom. Right. Like, really, neither one of his parents are that bad. No. Like, they're... <laughs> Like yeah, they're a certain they're a certain type of person, but like they're they're pretty loving and like they are at least trying yeah to help him right right and like um but so she leaves Elizabeth in charge, she leaves Donnie and Elizabeth alone. Mm-hmm. She takes Samantha and goes to do Star Search, mm-hmm. which is also when go ahead we find out that. Elizabeth got into Harvard. <laughs> yes, we find out we find out that Elizabeth got into Harvard, and to, so to celebrate both their parents being gone and the fact that Elizabeth got into Harvard, they decide to have a big blowout Halloween party. Absolutely, because of course they do. Because <laughs> if you leave two teenagers alone, what's going to happen? What do you think will happen? But a party, come on. Uh, so they have this party. Everyone is in costume except for Donnie. <laughs> Donnie is in a skeleton hoodie. <laughs> so Oh, that's right. He's, that's right. It's yeah, close. that's right. He's got his It's He's sort of got a costume. Yeah. <laughs> um Uh, but Gretchen shows up to the party and says that her mother is missing. Mhm. And that she's afraid that the stepfather has found them. And so that she was told to go somewhere safe. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to Donnie's house. Mm -hmm. And they have sex. Yep. For the first time, I believe, is the the implication, at least. Mm -hmm. Because they hadn't even really kissed until a couple scenes before that. Right. So. Um, And then Donnie decides that all of this... Has to do with Roberta Sparrow. Mm-hmm. And that they have to go talk to Roberta Sparrow. And he thinks that doing so will somehow save Gretchen's mother. Right. Like, it'll fix everything if they can just talk to Roberta Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie and Gretchen and his two friends, Sean and... The other kid. <laughs> Sean. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Sean and the other guy. <laughs> Sean and the other kid. Ronald. That's what it is. Ronald. Yeah. Uh, go to Roberta Sparrow's house. And instead of finding her, they find these bullies, one of whom being Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, are they just vandalizing her house? Are they trying to burgle her house? Um, I think that they're trying to burglarize her house. I think they're trying to break okay, it. Okay. So, so they're trying to rob her. Yeah. Because she's wandering around on the road, as she does. Right. <laughs> and so they start to beat them up. And they push Gretchen into the road. Or not even really into the road, but just down to sort of like near the road. Mm-hmm. Start threatening Donnie. And during this whole kerfuffle, we flash back briefly to the party where Elizabeth is asking where Frank went. Mm-hmm. Who is apparently her boyfriend. Right. Um, A car comes speeding up. 
the bullies think that they've called the cops on them, so they run away. Not yet. No, they they threaten to stab to to like kill Donnie essentially. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, no, no. they are attacking Donnie, and they threaten to they threaten to kill. And then and then like once the car is speeding toward them, they think that that's the cops, mm-hmm. and they run away. And the car is actually Frank Mm -hmm. and a friend of his who had gone to get beer Mm -hmm. for the party at Donnie's house. They almost hit Roberta Sparrow. Veer off and end up running over Gretchen. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, and then they manage to to sort of stop the car and and get control of the car. Right. They get out. Donnie sees that Gretchen is dead. Mm-hmm. He sees that Frank. We completely Sorry. missed a part. <laughs> we did. What yeah. we what did we miss? <laughs> that that is part of this. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Oh yeah, that scene. There is a scene earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Where Donnie is in his living room with his dad, mm-hmm. his one friend, and his friend's dad. Mm-hmm. And they're watching, like, a football game or whatever. And um, and Samantha is, like, skipping around the living room. Mm-hmm. Like, around a circle around the living room and through the hallway and everything. And all of a sudden, Donnie starts seeing these bubble things that are coming oh, out yeah, of... Oh, yeah, yeah, like... Right, like the pull of destiny, kind yes. of. Yes. And like a portal. Yeah, exactly, like a portal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he sees it coming out of his father when he gets up to go grab another beer. He sees it from mm-hmm. Samantha when she's skipping around the room, and then he sees it coming out of his own chest. Yes, that's right. And mm-hmm. he follows it. And ends up leading in the portal ends up leading him to the gun in his parents' closet. Right. Which he takes. Yeah. So and which he takes. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's armed. Mm-hmm. During this whole... You're right. Yes, that is important. Because this is how he gets the gun. Right. (laughs) Because once he sees Frank get out of the car, he realizes what is happening. Mm -hmm. He realizes that this all circles back to him not being killed by the jet engine. Mm -hmm. And that he has to complete the sort of circle if he's going to save Gretchen's life. Right. So he shoots Frank in the eye. <laughs> yep. He's got the gun. He shoots Frank. There he is. That's how Frank got, that's how Frank's eye got, got all fucked up. He grabs Gretchen and carries her back to his house. Yes. Kisses his sleeping sister on the forehead. Mm-hmm. Steals the car. Goes right back to that spot where he woke up at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And waits. And he can see the storm clouds gathering. Because now we're like within minutes of when Frank told him the world was going to end. Right. Exactly. And you see his mother, who was very concerned about them being left alone. Mm-hmm. And then no one is answering the phone because they're having this big party. 
So she decides that she and the girl are going to, she and the, the younger daughter are going to hop on the red eye and go home immediately. Mm-hmm. Which means that they are in the air when the engine rips off their plane. Yep. And falls through time to fall into the Darko house. Mm-hmm. Except this time, Donnie has put himself where he needs to be. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he dies. So you see that whole scene play again, but now this time when they're cleaning up, it's clear that, you know, that Donnie is gone. And Gretchen actually rides up on her bicycle and talks to the little neighbor boy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how Donnie has died. And she just sort of has this like weird feeling mm-hmm. because of course she hasn't met him yet. Right. Right. Like this actually happened the day before she met him. Mm-hmm. Um, but she and she and Donnie's mother also share a moment of like recognition. Yes. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. the same thing where they don't really know how they know each other, but it's, they're like, I seem like I, I feel like I know you for some reason. And they wave to each other. Right. There's some sort of connection here, even though I don't understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how the film ends. Mm-hmm. Donnie has fixed, supposedly Donnie has fixed the time loop, but we don't know that. Right. Because, like, it could just, like I said, it could be that it's just, like, an infinite loop. Because in order for that jet engine to pull, to blow off, it has to be that red eye. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and like, you know, so it could just be that, like, it's just going to go in an infinite loop. And sometimes Donnie's going to be in his bed and sometimes he's not. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, these little changes. But that is just going to keep going on forever. Right. And you see, actually, so the the look between the mom and the girl isn't the last thing you see. The last thing you see is actually, like, everyone else who was involved waking up as if they'd had a nightmare. It swapped. That happens right before that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> because it, that happens, that, that scene happens at the same time that Donnie dies. Like, oh, okay. Donnie dies, and everyone wakes up suddenly. Right. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed Donnie Darko, mm-hmm. and uh, that you have a fantastic Halloween weekend. Spooky! Hopefully no, <laughs> hopefully no jet engines will fall on you. <laughs> <laughs> no jet engines for you. Right. Um, we will see you next week. Until then... Uh, Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. We have an Instagram at Podcast. We have a Twitter at Pod. We have a website at FNFrightsPodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook if you just search Friday Night Frights. We're also doing YouTube videos now. We'll actually be releasing one on Halloween. Uh, So you can search for us there too, Friday Night Frights Podcast. Uh, If you'd like to contact us directly, you can scream at us through our email address, scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com. And then there is our Patreon, the Fright Club. And Sean, what's the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is the world is not black and white. You cannot classify... The world is not... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. The world is not black and white. 
you, Go ahead. you cannot narrow down life into love and fear. Right. Yeah. There is nuance and shade in the world. Yes. Like, <laughs> and if somebody is making millions of dollars peddling like complete bullshit, they're they're a con man and probably very bad a very bad person otherwise. Yep. <laughs> but sometimes there is not a best case scenario. That's true. Like, mm-hmm. either Donnie gets hit with the jet engine and dies himself, or not only does Donnie get hit by the jet engine and he dies, but Jim Cunningham's crimes are not revealed because no one burns down his house. Mm-hmm. Or Donnie lives, Cunningham is revealed. But Gretchen dies, and Donnie's mother and sister die. Mm-hmm. Right? So there is no... Sometimes... there The world is not black and white, and sometimes there is no best case scenario. Right. It's just a matter of... How you choose to deal with those situations. Exactly. So, gays and ghouls... Tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight. <laughs>